Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the Fed's MBS balance sheet, part one of an interview with Candor CEO Tom Showalter on how to teach machine predictive intelligence, and how last week's payrolls report could change FOMC policy. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Candor. Have you heard of Candor yet? As you'll hear shortly, they're gaining groundswell for their dynamic, adaptive, and automated underwriting engine. Do you smoke weed? Have you been vaccinated against COVID? Is it too early in the work week for those questions? Some questions aren't, can't be, shouldn't be, or are too politically charged to be asked. We don't want to need a lawyer to have a conversation with a coworker or underling. Here's a question that's a little easier, maybe. What percentage of outstanding MBS are owned by the Federal Reserve? The answer is 30%. That's a lot. Smarter minds than mine opined that the $1.5 billion cap fear, remember that when it came to window sales, was exaggerated. 15 years ago, securitizing was normal, even if you were doing $50 million a month. The $1.5 billion cap per agency window is a way of pushing lenders back to issuing their own securities. But you should also remember that last March, the private label market, composed mostly of jumbo and non-QM loans, disappeared in three days. When the head of FHFA was nudging us away from agency securities and toward the private label machine, really? We're supposed to rely on that? Any capital markets person will tell you that price uncertainty of private label execution impacts consumers' rates. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the podcast, Candor CEO Tom Showalter. He has extensive experience with predictive intelligence and machine learning, going from being a NASA scientist in the 1990s into the mortgage industry today, where he has built machine learning into the Candor Intelligent Underwriting System. Hello. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing great. Cool. So we wanted to talk about kind of going beyond data validation when it comes to underwriting and, and get into mm-hmm. intuition and judgment. Underwriting goes beyond data validation. A lot of it is intuition and judgment, and, and some would even go as far as saying it's an art form. How have you built this into a machine, essentially? Well, it, that's an excellent question. Uh, <clears throat> teaching a machine to exercise good judgment to be intuitive is extremely hard. Uh, What we found is that we had to drive the logical inference network of candor down to its most granular level so that we could really get at the essence of any particular situation. And so when, when you drive it to a highly granular level, you're getting down to teaching the machine to solve the most specific problem it can. But since this is an area of judgment and intuition, you just can't simply lay out a workflow. Uh, You have to really teach the machine how to solve a problem. And so when you do that, what what you're really doing, to give you an example, if the borrower's application shows that he has two jobs, then the data submitted by the the applicant slash borrower has to show two pay stops, for example. And so 
Kander goes about the process of taking information, for example, from the 1003, and forming a hypothesis about what it's going to see in the borrower data. And when it sees what it expects, there's consistency. Uh, it makes sense to Candor, and Candor can proceed to the next issue. However, if the borrower only supplied in this little metaphor one pay stub, when he's claiming to have two jobs in his application, Candor would then encounter what's called an anomaly. It was expecting to see two pay stubs. It only sees one. And so then it has to reach back out to the to the user slash borrower and start querying about where's my second pay stop. And of course, if that's coming, that's fine. If that's not coming, then then that creates a, another anomaly for candor in that it, it can't proceed with a loan until it either corrects the information in the borrower's application, i.e. in this case, taking away two jobs and just making it a one job application, or it has to go find the second pay stub or find out another circumstance that might enable candor to understand what two jobs means to this borrower at this time. You know, when it comes to underwriting, even if all eligibility requirements are met, there's an element of integrity and investigation, kind of creating a sound and reliable underwrite story, mm-hmm. if you will. Not, on, not only does it add up, but does it make sense in addition to the data being correctly analyzed and cross-checked and so on. You know, maybe it's that a borrower says they're a wage, you know, I could say I'm a wage earner, but I work for Robbie's Auto Body, something like that. Can you talk about how the machine picks up on things like this? The machine has built into it an ability to dive deeper into the data presented and and with a sense of suspicion. It has to to test the, the meaningfulness of the data. So for example, if you say you're a wage earner, but you're also listing Robbie's Auto, as your employer and your name is Robbie, uh, we have to investigate as to whether or not Robbie, you're the real Robbie, (laughs) the Robbie of Robbie's auto, or you just work for a guy named Robbie and this is just a coincidence. So this this hypothesis testing of is Robbie the real Robbie or is this a coincidence? That's the kind of thinking that Candor does in many different forms. I I think right now we have, we, we recognize that kind of thinking in a term we call pivot points. And right now we have over 45,000 pivot points built into the architecture. So it's really got a very robust way to make sense out of the uh, out of the borrower story so that we can make sure that there's consistency, that it makes sense, that the information has integrity, and that the analysis of that information has integrity as well. Even with complete data or accurate data, underwriting is still required. So how have you also built that into the machine? Sure. So what we've done, we've created sort of three logical foundations. The one logical foundation is the borrower's application. The second one is all the data supplied by the borrower about himself or herself. And the third are the guidelines used to evaluate the loan for eligibility and sale. So what we've done is that we've created a framework in which Candor begins to start its hypothesis testing metaphor, given the application or given the data it sees or given the guidelines. So for example, in the little metaphor we had going here a minute ago, Candor's expecting to see two pay stubs from a borrower that lists two jobs. And let's assume it, it finds both those pay stubs eventually. So if it sees one and it doesn't see the second one, it will ask and go about trying to find the second one. And as it sees the second pay stub, it then starts 
add it up and say, okay, what's the gross income from for this borrower at this time? And it goes back to the application. If the borrower said that he, he makes $10,000 gross per month, then Candor expects to see, again, its hypothesis is I'm going to see a total gross income of $10,000. If it doesn't see that, it then goes through yet another string of logic to try to figure out, for example, if the two pay stubs totaled 9,200 instead of 10, as prescribed by the application, then Candor has to go through and figure out whether 9,200 is part of a volatile income stream. And therefore, if the income stream is volatile, Candor has to then figure out on average, what's the gross income? And it, it might be 10 grand, it might be 9,500, it might be 11,5. So Candor has to go through a process of hypothesis testing that's using the applications, the borrower data, and eventually the guidelines. For example, if this borrower can qualify for the loan in question for, for given a $10,000 gross income, that's fine. But if you, but if you can't qualify if it's 9,200 and that's all the income Candor can document, then, then Candor asks the borrower, if if in fact this is this is true, and therefore there's some challenges to how the loan can proceed, if in fact there's insufficient income to qualify. So it's it's that three pronged effort: the tenor three slash application, the borrower data, and the guidelines proposed by the investor targeted to buy the loan that forms the foundation for Candor's logical exercise for its ability to investigate for its ability to apply its judgment and intuition, our terms, uh, to in, in order to determine if this particular loan application and so forth makes sense. The core question around underwriting is, does it make sense? Correct. That, that applies more to information integrity, which requires scrutiny and investigation. Join us for part two of our interview tomorrow. Last week had the world scrambling to figure out how dangerous the Omicron variant of the coronavirus really is. We also saw a highly anticipated U.S. jobs report that contained conflicting signals. It showed the smallest job gains this year, up 210,000 for the month, a participation rate that was edging up, and an unemployment rate at 4.2% that fell more than forecast. The report is composed of two different surveys, one of households and the other of employers. Each has slightly different questions and definitions of employment. Employers reported that increase of 210,000 jobs, while households showed an increase of 1.1 million. Regardless, the overall mixed bag of a report may nevertheless push the Federal Reserve to quicken the wind-down of its pandemic bailout as the economy is on the mend. It at the very least gives the central bank wiggle room to policy-wise attack inflation more aggressively. We have already seen talk of just that. December's FOMC meeting got a lot more meaningful last week after Fed Chairman Powell suggested the committee might speed up the end of the Fed's asset purchase program despite the uncertainty surrounding the Omicron variant and the potential effects to economic activity. St. Louis Fed President Bullard said in a speech on inflation that he sees economic measures that argue for removing accommodation at a faster pace. Separately, November's Consumer Confidence Report highlighted the fact that consumers feel employment opportunities abound but many express concerns over childcare, as well as returning to the workplace, both of which have kept them from returning to the labor force. The ISM Manufacturing Index hinted that some of the supply chain issues may finally be starting to resolve as the New Orders Index jumped to 61.5 after a 7-point drop in the prior month. The 7-day moving average of ships anchored off the port of Long Beach has fallen from a high of 83 to 46 as of November 17th. 
Finding qualified labor still remains a source of frustration across many sectors of the economy. There is still ground to cover until the constraints facing businesses are fully resolved. However, economic activity remains robust and continues to steadily improve. Rates were down to close the week last week. This week's $112 billion mini-refunding being conducted tomorrow to Thursday packs the most market-moving potential, in addition to the latest on Omicron, with Fed speakers going into blackout ahead of next week's FOMC decision. Agency MBS prepayments will be released late today with Class A 48-hour notification on Thursday. Today's loan economic release is the Employment Trends Index for November, due out later this morning. This week sees the desk purchasing an average of $4.7 billion of MBS per day. They will also conduct the first operation to include Gini 2 3% since early September 2020. We begin the week with agency MBS prices worse an eighth to a quarter versus Friday's closed and the 10-year yielding 1.38 after closing last week at 1.34%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Since we started the podcast talking about weed, let's end it in the same manner. I used to smoke weed and go to class. I'd sneak in 10 minutes late with a BS excuse, slink down low at my desk, pray to God nobody asked me any questions. I was the best teacher ever. <laughs> Thanks again to Candor for sponsoring today's podcast. I look forward to hearing more great things. Want to know more? Go to candortechnology.com and tell them Robbie Christman sent you. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.